0: Kettering Baptist Church.
1: Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bucus Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. On this morning, Catherine, I want to invite your attention
2: first of all to Genesis chapter 37. We'll look at three different passages. We'll begin verse number 18 as we continue our journey in the series of messages entitled Driven by Destiny. God's Word reads as follows. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Chapter 39, verse 17 is the next passage I want you to look at, just a couple of verses there. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me so it happened as i lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garments with me and fled outside one more passage and that's in genesis chapter 40 verse 14 but remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me make mention of me to pharaoh and get me out of this house for indeed i was stolen away from my land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Verse 23. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word on today. We thank you for this privileged opportunity we have to declare it. And we pray, oh God, that you would have your way in it. If there's any that don't know you as Lord and Savior, let this be the day that they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, if there are any that are on the wall, that are straddling the fence and they've drifted from you, God, draw them back to you. Lord, have your way in this time. Edify this body, glorify yourself, and we, Lord God, just pray for your strength. We pray for your abilities, even as I stand to declare this word. Let me have clarity of thought, clarity of speech, strength to deliver the word in a way that brings glory to your name. I surrender all to you, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. In our journey of this series of messages driven by destiny, we began in Genesis chapter 32. Just speaking from that very subject matter driven by destiny and then on last week, we were in Genesis chapter 37 looking at the beginnings of Joseph's call and direction of his destiny which God began to reveal to him in dreams. Speaking from the subject matter, revealing of the destiny. We learned that when you're revealing your destiny and sharing your destiny, nobody wants to hear it. Uh, we learned also in last week that when Joseph was revealing and sharing with his brothers what the dreams that he was given, that not only did no one want to hear it, nobody wanted to believe it. They didn't want to believe that God had plans for Joseph that far exceeded the plans he had for them. I'm talking even right now to some of you. Some people won't believe that God has plans for you. Some people don't want to hear the plans God has for you. Thirdly, we learned that not only sometimes there's no one want to hear it, nobody wants to believe it, but also no one wants to accept it. Even his very father, who knew the power of God and the hand of God that could move upon someone's life and cause the younger to be over the older, did not want to accept that it's possible for Joseph. Sometimes it happens in our lives, too. That the very people that we expect, the very people that we think that would be able to understand that God has this vision for my life, this destiny for my life, even though God has worked great and awesome things in their life, they won't accept it for you. But don't let any of that stop your drive to destiny on this morning as we dig into this deeper look into the destiny that joseph travels and the way in which he gets to where he's going i think it'll help us in our awareness of some of the distractions we may face along the way of our destiny and i want you to understand this that i know a lot of times we talk about destiny and we think hey somebody who's driven by destiny they're going to have a nice smooth sail you just need to stay focused on being driven by destiny and everything will go well and there'll be no problems that's not true Because when you're driven by destiny, you and I need to understand and we'll see very clearly in the life of Joseph that to get to where you're going, there's going to be a whole lot of distractions. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject matter, distractions to your destiny. Anybody got any distractions? Amen. It might be that phone that you're texting on right now. So I just kind of want to let you know there are some distractions to our destiny. Amen. As I look on this text this morning, and I begin to give you an idea where we start. We start here in 37, where we have picked up that there already has been the vision being revealed. Joseph been revealing his dreams, and the text said his brothers hated him already. He started telling dreams they hated him more. They hated him even more, and then they begin to envy him. His father had given him this coat of many colors. He was the favorite child of his father. He was an 11th son born, and then he starts having these dreams, and his dreams convey that his brothers are going to bow down to him. In fact, he has a second dream. He has audacity to even bother to tell them. And he tells them, too, and he says, Look, On my next dream, not only did my brothers bow down, but mama and daddy y'all had to bow down, too. And so the text says his brothers envied him. They hated him. They hated him even more. He was not the friend of the other brothers. They didn't like this dude. He was not the acceptable one. And you got to keep in mind, all the time when they see him, he's got this coat that his dad gave him that has many colors in it. And all of that represents to them the favor that God has put on him. So every time they see him, he don't have nothing to do with him. So what happens in our text, just to bring you up to speed, Joseph's father sends him to go check on his brothers who are tending the flocks. Now, They're tending the flocks. Joseph ain't got to do nothing but be the one to go check on them. So you know we're hating him more because he ain't have to do no work. So he sends them to go check on them because his father knows Joseph is a tattletale. So he'll go and look and see what's going on. He's going to bring back to me whatever they're doing because he's a tattletale. He's the favorite and he's a tattletale. We hate him even more. So he goes, he sends them to Shechem to go check on his brothers, and when he gets to Shechem, they're not there, and so he's wandering around in this field kind of lost, and he, he runs upon a man, or a man runs upon him, and the man asks him, what are you looking for? And he says, I'm looking for my brothers. Have you seen my brothers? And he says, well, I heard your brothers say they were going on to Dotham. Now, as you read through this text, you would think, oh, that's kind of random. What? He goes to Shechem, then are not a Shechem, they're in them, and you think, oh, what, the, what whatever, they're in them." You think that's just kind of incidental, but it's not incidental. And when you're dealing with destiny, every part has a, a meaning, has a purpose, because here's the deal in dotham there's some ishmaelites that are coming that are going to end up being his transportation to egypt and they're not coming to shechem so if he stayed in shechem the ishmaelites would never come he'd never get transportation to egypt watch this but because he has to go to dotham he's going to get transportation to egypt through the ishmaelites and egypt is the place he needs to be because that's part of his destiny now, what you're going to find out later on in this movement and in this text is that getting to your destiny, you might not like the mode of transportation that God sends. But he, he, here it is. I want you to see something because when his brothers see him, they see him coming. They're, they're in Dothan. They look up and they see, they see somebody coming over the hill with a multicolored coat on. Now, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. One of the first distractions I want to kind of address to us this morning and help us is the family conspiracy. Because sometimes when you're on your route to where you're going, it's the family that creates conspiracy against you to help keep you, to try to distract you from getting to where you're going. I want to expand the family a little bit because sometimes it may not be immediate family. Sometimes it's extended family, and sometimes it's that close group. But they're there to distract you from your destiny and here in the text is his very brothers that are there and they look at him. They see him coming and the first thing the text is they conspired to kill him. They wanted to get rid of him and ultimately what they really want to kill is the vision in him. His brothers are what I call vision killers. There are a whole lot of people around you who are vision killers. They see you coming and they say, "Mm, here she comes, here he comes, and and I know he thinks he's going to get to this place, but I'm going to try to help him or help her to understand that ain't never going to happen. So they want to kill the vision that's in him. They want to destroy that in him. They want to distract him from the destiny that he has. And so they look and they begin to conspire and plan how we're going to kill him, their own brother. And then they say, look, here comes that dreamer. What that helps me understand is they start focusing on more than just him, but they're focusing on the fact that he's a dreamer and if you go back in the text where you find out his dreams are what caused them to envy him. So that tells me that their envy is being stirred up in them when they see him. And so because of their envy they're looking at the coat of many colors and they're remembering the dreams that he has and that causes them to be so angry that they want to destroy him. They want to destroy the dream. They want to keep it from coming to pass. I'm trying to help somebody Because there's people in your life that don't want to see the dream come to pass in your life either. They want to kill him. They want to destroy him. But ultimately, what they're really trying to destroy is what God has determined will be for him. And so they want to kill that. They want to silence that. They want to squelch that. And there are people in your life, there are people you will come in contact with, there are people in your family who will also do the same thing. They will conspire to keep you from succeeding and keeping you from excelling and keeping you from reaching your destiny by telling you such things as you can't do that. You're not capable, you're not able, and and why would you ever want to go there? Why would you ever want to live here? Why would you want to leave the D.C. Washington metropolitan area? you, they want to kill the vision that God has put in you, God put a vision in you to be a worldwide traveler, to be well versed around the world, but they want to keep you here with them, silence you, kill you, keep you quiet, squelch your vision, all of this is their means of being a distraction to your destiny, here's another thing, sometimes it's not what they say, it's what they won't say. You're waiting for them to say, well done, you got straight A's, you did a good job, and they won't say anything. Sometimes it's the enemy that's using them to be a distraction to your destiny because they won't encourage you along the way. They won't help you to get to where you're going. They won't even support you. Financially, economically, they won't give you. Even though they got the resources, they won't give them to you. Vision killers. And so they want to kill him. They want to destroy him. They all stirred up. And if you look on in this text as we keep on moving through, uh, what happens is they come and they say, let's kill him. Let's cast him into some pit. They want to throw him in a hole. Because they realize if we throw him in a hole, we can leave him there and just let him die. We throw him in a hole. And, and let me help you with this. Sometimes people want to throw you in a hole. They've got plans for you. They've conspired for you to get you in a hole. And they want to get you in a hole because you're moving too fast. You're going too fast. You're you're excelling beyond them. You've got visions beyond where they are. And so they've got plans for you to get you in a hole. And they'll get you in a hole in a whole lot of ways. Listen to me here. And sometimes it's your very family that will get you into the hole. Sometimes it's your even your parents who will put you in a hole because they've got the money to pay for your college, but they make you pay for it. So when you graduate, you've got multiple loans and now you're in a hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're riding around in their nice cars and living in Woodmore. And still got the money to pay for your loans and won't pay it. But there's people that want to put you in a hole. They want to limit you. They want to squelch you. They want to quiet you. They want to put you in a hole like his brothers want to put them in a hole. We're going to put him in a hole and then we'll see. It's right there in verse number 20. we'll we'll say some wild beast devoured him and and then we'll see what became of his dream because what they don't want to do is they don't want to be in compliance to him. They don't want to be submissive. As the dream said, you're going to bow to me. They don't want that to happen. And so in order to keep that from happening, in order to keep their brother from rising above them, in order to keep him from excelling beyond them, they conspire against him and put him in a hole. But I want you to understand and all this, and, and even if it's happening to you right now, I want you to understand it's just a distraction to your destiny. So they conspired. They got his plan to put him in a hole. Verse number uh, 23. So it came to pass that Joseph, when he had come to his brothers, that they stripped him of his tunic, his, his multicolored coat, and they stripped him of his coat, and they stripped him of his coat because they wanted to remove from him that which reminded them of the favor that was on his life. And perhaps to get in his head, because some of us, Believe that the favor on our life is tied to our destiny. Stay here with me. We think it's the stuff that's part of us getting to the destiny. I need you to understand something that these are distractions and sometimes God needs to strip us of some of the stuff to get us to where we gotta go. We think that I need this coat. If you take that from me, where am I going to be? How am I going to succeed? If you take my car, if you take my house, you need to understand that all the stuff that God has given you, he's able to give it to you again. Don't let that worry you. Don't let it bother you because a snatch man came and got your car. It's just part of the destiny. Distractions. So sometimes we need to be stripped of the things that represent the favor of God in your life this coat just represents favor that his father had toward him and so sometimes you need those things stripped away and sometimes people will strip them away from you thinking that it's going to stop you from your destiny but you need to keep on being driven to your destiny even when the stuff gets stripped away. Even when you're living in an apartment and you used to live in a five-bedroom house. Even when you don't have a car to drive and you got to call Uber to take you everywhere. And you used to have a Mercedes-Benz. Doesn't matter what you used to have. The stuff is not tied to your destiny. Your destiny is tied to God. And the God is the one that provides. They strip him of his coat. And so it came to pass that they, verse 24, so they took him and they cast him into this pit, and when he's in the pit there's two things about this pit I want you to see the pit is empty, there's nothing in the pit there's nobody in the pit, and sometimes that's the best place we can be when you've got cast into a pit, you've been put into a hard spot, you've been put into a place you can't get out of, and that's a good place to be, I know it doesn't feel good I know it's not comfortable, but it's a good place to be, because when you're in a pit and there's nobody else there, you can't call on nobody but him, when you're in your lowest place, and it's empty, and it's All you, you begin to look up towards heaven and call on the one who's capable. Sometimes the best thing along your journey is to be cast into a pit where it's empty. And you're there by yourself. But all of this is just a distraction. The second thing about this pit I want you to see is that the text says the pit was empty and there was no water in it. Why would they mention that there's no water in the pit? They didn't throw them in a well. They threw them in a pit. So I think the reason why we need to understand that there's no water in the pit because he's not only been thrown into a destitute place where he's there by himself, but he's thrown into a place where there is no quenching of the thirst. In other words, it's a dry place. And let me see if I can help us here. Because when we're going and we're driven by destiny, one of the distractions in our life along the journey is sometimes we're in a pit and sometimes we're in a dry place. Sometimes you're trying to pray and it doesn't seem like prayer is working. Sometimes you're trying to read your word and it doesn't seem like the word is working. Sometimes you're sitting in church and you're, you're trying to get that feeling that you get and you're not getting that feeling. Sometimes you're just in a dry place. I want you to understand a dry place doesn't mean you're not on track to your destiny. Sometimes it's just a distraction. The dry place is put there to make you want to turn back. To say, I know I'm not going to the right place because it's too dry here. Yeah, right, right here. It's just a distraction. Family conspiracy is working to try to hinder Joseph from getting to where he needs to be. But all of this is just distractions. The second thing here, after we look at family conspiracies, I want to look at false accusations. We pick up in chapter 39. His brothers sold him into slavery. Ishmaelites came along. It's over there in chapter 37. The Ishmaelites came. The Midianites, they called the Midianites traitor. They came. They passed by. His brothers, oh, let, me, let me hit this point too. Let me, his brothers pulled him out. Chapter 37, back 37, 28. His brothers pulled him out of the ditch. His brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit, his brothers who put him in the pit, his brothers who hated him and envied him and despised him and conspired to kill him are the ones God uses to pull him up out of the pit. Whew, I'm preaching way better than you saying amen, but watch this What well, I'm going to get you there. Sometimes God will use the very people who have set a trap for you to be the one that that helps you to get to where you got to go. And I like to say it this way. The Bible says that he'll make your enemies your footstool and I know a lot of times we think of a footstool as only a place where we can sit back in our easy chair and use as an ottoman but I've learned that every now and then because I'm short of stature, every now and then I need something to stand on and a footstool is good to stand on and sometimes God will use your enemies to help elevate you to where you need to be, are y'all hearing what I'm saying and so God uses his brothers to lift him out of the pit and his brothers sell him to the Ishmaelites and the Ishmaelites are on their way to Egypt and that's where Joseph needs to be And so Joseph ends up going to Egypt as a I know that's not your desired mode of transportation. I know that's not how you would like to get to your destiny but look at God working all the pieces out and I want to help you right here because sometimes we're wrestling with and fighting against the plan that God has to get us to a place because and we don't want to go that way because it's not the way we want to travel. Yeah that I'll go to Egypt but send me a greyhound truck bus or something. Let me me catch a USA or somebody. I'm not going as a slave with the Ishmaelites. You don't always have a choice how you're going to get to your destiny. But it becomes distraction. That's all it is is distraction. And so his brothers put him in there and he gets to Egypt. He's in Egypt. When he gets to Egypt, by the time we get over here in our next uh, chapter, chapter 39, but when he gets to Egypt, what happens is he's sold on the auction block as a slave. The Ishmaelites sell him as a slave. When they sell him, it is Potiphar, who is the chief of the army. He's in charge of the army of Pharaoh, who buys him. And when he buys him, he brings him in his house. And when he brings him in his house, I want you to see something about this whole idea of false accusation. He brings him in his house, and in his house, he has favor. Watch this. This It's right here in the text. I'm in chapter 39. Pharaoh bought him. Inside the Israelites when they sold him, verse number two, and the Lord was with Joseph. Whoo! Wait a minute, Pastor. I thought you said he was just sold as a slave. I sure did. But how can the Lord be with him? Because the Lord doesn't do things like we do things. The Lord is with him even though he's a slave. The Lord is with him even though he's serving in Potiphar's house. The Lord is with him. And watch this. The Lord manifests proof that he's with him while he's a slave. The text lets us know that while he's with him, he brought him to Potiphar's house. That's the favor of God. Because he could have been sold to somebody else. But God sold him into the hands of the one who was in charge of the army of Pharaoh. And he's in a top position as a servant to the top man in the army. That's the favor of God. Then the Bible says that Potiphar realized that the Lord was with him. Let me see if I can read that for you. And his master, verse number three, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. Wait a minute. His master is Egyptian. His master is a heathen. But his master recognizes that God is with him. Help me hear, Jesus. I want you to understand something. Sometimes you're in the worst place that you can possibly be. Your whole family just forsook you. Your whole family sold you into slavery. And now you're a slave and you're in Potiphar's house and a heathen man recognizes God is with you. And everything he does prospers. Everything he put his hand into prospers. Everything that Joseph did, it came to pass. Everything Joseph, it's right there in the text. So Joseph had favor and found favor in the sight of and he served him. Then he made him overseer of his whole house, and all that he had he put under his authority. Look at that. You're a slave, but you're in charge. My God. How in the world are you going to be a slave in charge of the chief of the army of Pharaoh's whole house? In fact, he's so in charge and the favor of God is on him so much that he's put him in charge of everything. And he says, look, my master doesn't even know all the stuff that's in his own house. I know what's in his house better than he does. He's in that kind of control, and the favor of God is with him, and everything that he's given charge of, everything. And not only that, here's another thing I want you to see before we really get to this accusation. Here's a man, first of all, whom the Lord is with, and God is manifesting, I'm with him. My blessings are on him. My favor is on him. I'm giving him favor. And then, watch this, while he's in Potiphar's house, he's faithful. That's the second thing I want you to see. He's faithful while he's in the house. He's there in the house, he's serving, he's working, thus he left all that he had in in Joseph's hand, verse number six, and all that he had, which he had, he turned it all over to Joseph, and Joseph was, was handsome in form and appearance, the text lets us know, and it came to pass after these things that the master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, here we go.
1: To continue our journey, tune in next week for the second half of today's message. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-574-3515. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.
0: There are 16 schools now offering half price tuitions for the coming fall 2017 school year through WA.